The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is writer, director, and actor Daniel Montgomery. His directorial debut, the heartbreaking and bittersweet uh, ghost story, The Jessica Cabin, is currently available on VOD. Welcome to the show! Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're really excited to have you here. I, cause I, I saw this movie. I fell in love immediately. Oh, good. And I just, I was like, I had to reach out to our PR person and be like, hey, we need to get Daniel on this show. So welcome. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> if you could tell our listeners a little bit about The Jessica Cabin, though, in case they're unfamiliar with it. Sure. The Jessica Cabin is a ghost story. It's a very gay ghost story on purpose. And um, it's about two ghosts that haunt this Airbnb-ish cabin in the middle of nowhere. And they're living sort of this lonely life. And this couple shows up and rents the cabin. And they kind of get infatuated. And they have to figure out a way to make at least one of them stay with them forever. <laughs> So it's uh, spooky, it's funny, it's sweet, it's, little, it's very dark, it's kind of sad, and um, I love it. Well, I love how dark this movie is, but how it's like, is it like, did you film like in Palm Springs or near Palm Springs or like in that area? We were, we filmed just past Joshua Tree, um, in a oh, place Joshua called Tree. Tw- 29 Palms, like oh, deep, yeah. deep in the, in the desert, yeah. My stepdad used to work on, I think, the military base around? Yeah, I'm sh- there it really Question. feels like there should be one there. There's nothing yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, but I love how bleak this movie is in a way and sweet and it's bright. It is the desert. Like we are it's this is like daytime horror at its finest and exactly. like and and in bright clothes too. Like I love the everything is bright and it and it really contrasts kind of like the humor in such a good way and I wanted to hear yeah. more about like Pairing production design with the script and how that process was like for you in uh, making the look. Yeah, I really wanted there to be this feeling of muted pastels, literally. Mm. Like my sort of color mood board was I wanted this sort of dated, faded feeling that I, Mm. but also sort of like a quirky charm to it. And I just, I just thought, let's, let's, let's go with pastels. I dyed my hair blue, like a a seafoam greenish sort of blue. And I just wanted us to feel like faded, like 80s, 90s photographs of, you know, the people that they used to be. And the script was originally written for a cabin in the middle of the woods. And we found found this location. And um, for when you watch it, you'll see that the Jessica cabin, the cabin itself is this bright candy red, like, 
just otherworldly red, beautiful red. And I fell in love with it and I, I rewrote it and to fit this sort of, de- and I feel like it worked even better than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. This sort of, yes, just like you said, Marybeth, like the, the daylight desert sort of bleached everything exposed, overexposed sort of, um, desert death landscape right but with like with a with a touch of heart with a touch of color because these ghosts once had such bright color right they were such Mm. bright people before they died and i wanted i wanted it to feel like that and there's a lot an incredible amount of detail of each character's sort of color story and scheme and how they sort of tie together and and there's moments where you know, we're focused on the ghosts and moments where we're focused on the, the live ones. And when we're focused on the live ones, the color is actually brighter, like in general, like we bumped up the color. And then when it's oh. f- focused on the ghosts, the color dims. It's very subtle, but it's wow. definitely something that was, that I wanted to incorporate just to make, just to make me, just to tickle me to like, you know, go deep and sort of feel all of my colors, you know? That's so cool, though. It's one of those things where it's like it's it's kismet because like changing it to the desert. It when I was watching this, it immediately kind of brought me back to like Beetlejuice, where they're stuck in this house and yeah. right outside in in the ghost world, it's like desert with with sandworms and stuff. So like I was immediately like I was vibing with with the look of the film, and it's so it's funny to hear that it was purely by we got to film here. Like that's that's great. Yeah, I went I went and looked at the cabin and sort of spent a few nights there and sort of felt it and see if it felt like it felt right. And it really did. And I'm so glad we had that switch because I think it makes it, it I think it makes it stand out a little bit from another, you know, cabin in the woods sort of movie. And mm-hmm. I like the creative adjustments we had to make because of that. You can't get away with anything because you're just you can't hide anything with trees. You can't hide anything yep. with shadow. Like just here we are. Yeah. Yep. And it, it does really match well, I think, with this story. But it's also, this is like so gay. And you said that. This is like a yeah. gay, gay, gay horror a ghost story. And I love that because, again, we don't have a lot of stories like this. So I wanted to hear more about where this idea came from. And like from the outset, did you want it to be this like very outwardly queer film? I really did. I yeah. realized I had never seen gay ghosts before. I had yeah, never what seen the them. Fuck? Like, where, where are the they? gay ghosts at? <laughs> where, where, where is their representation? So <laughs> we die too. Come on, yeah, come on. <laughs> so from the out, it, with a lot of the stuff that I create and write, like I come from a very queer perspective, and I will fight at all costs to have my lead characters be a range of queer characters, and always, it's just what I'm interested in. It's what I want to present, and. I'm an actor most of the time. So, you know, in some yeah. ways I'm like, well, what do I, what do I want to show? Like, what do I want to do? And my two best friends are, are in it with me and it's Riley Rose Critchlow and Chase Williamson. We have acted together for many years and we've done sketch comedy and we did a pilot and we did a short film together. And this felt like the logical next step was to make a, a feature. And I wanted to write specifically for us. And Riley's mm-hmm. non-binary, Chase is gay, I'm gay. And not all of us had had the chance to sort of authentically, in some ways, represent ourselves on screen. So I definitely geared a lot of the story towards how we felt, how, in some aspects, how we feel as human, as human beings and just have never had the chance to express. And even Riley got, Riley has a moment where uh, she, she speaks about um, her experience, her character's experience. And I had her, she, that's not true. She asked if she could put her own flavor on it. 
uh, to talk about, you know, to make it feel more authentic to her. And I said, great. So she did a little pass on it. And then I tweaked some of the words. And I just, it was so important to me to make it feel like, wh why not? Like we should, everybody yeah. should feel like they have their say in what this is. So, yeah, you know, gay ghosts. That's really what I wanted to show. And I what I wanted to show as well was that the horror, the darkness, the drama doesn't come from, oh, no, help. We're gay. We're being persecuted. People don't want us to exist. That's I'm, I think that type of storytelling has value. But for me personally, like, I'm good. I would like to just show people living their lives and just happens that these people are dead and they're living their afterlives. Right. So I just wanted yep. to show a version of that, that I'd never seen. I, it's just something I'd never seen before. Yeah. The last piece of it is this is a pandemic baby. It came out of, you know, sort of the creative frustration of existential frustration of what <laughs> are we doing? We can't move. I felt like a ghost. I couldn't touch my friends. Uh, I couldn't see my friends. I was stuck in this yeah. place. Right. I was listening to my Taylor Swift folklore and it just like all came out of me in this cabin story. Right. So it was perfect storm. It was perfect storm of wanting to tell queer stories, including my best friends who are wonderful performers and doing something that felt like it was a story that I felt like I had to tell at that time and in that particular location. Yeah. So you you brought up Riley and I love her her her. Yeah, she's she she they her them. Okay. Either one. Okay, I just want to I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, I I I loved her performance. It's so deadpan. Just the the comments that uh, her character would make when when they said that I want to kill this guy. I was like, this is. This is great. And it just continued throughout. I just, I, I loved her performance so much in this. She's so great. And she has won some awards along the way for our festival um, journey. We've been on a film festival journey for the past year. We just ended that sort of um, wonderful excuse to travel and show the film. And um, she definitely got recognized quite a lot, as she should. As she should. I remember when we were filming, I was like, she's she's got to win an award for this. Like, the stuff... <laughs> The stuff that we did that we had some of her heaviest stuff. She had one take because we were running out of footage space, you know. So there's oh. one scene. There's Indie one scene. Filmmaking at its I know. Finest. There's one scene that I know makes her cringe, but I was just tearing up and flying to the moon because I was like, we got it. We got it in the one take. We didn't have a choice, but like we absolutely got it. She is incredible. And I can't wait for many, many, many more people to see her and for her to do quite a lot more because she's in insanely talented. I also love how your film tackles like love between friends. It's not just about mm. like falling in love, like romantic love. It's about love between friends. Like your relationship with her character is just as important and just as full of love and care. And I love how this movie examines affection from so many different angles and what it looks like. And I think that makes it feel so much more grounding and how love is so you look at love and family in so just different ways and i know that as queer people we all have that experience of finding our family with these people who are our friends and it's just i always love how queer filmmakers hit that so well and it always just like brings a smile to my face and seeing that on screen and the and like in the horror space i'm so happy to hear that yeah i really feel like it's 
it, it, you know, I want, I did want to show a range, right, of of different types of characters, but also just, just as you said, different types of relationships. We get a little mother daughter sort of thrown in there. We get best friends. Yeah. We get a relationship that's not working. We get a relationship that we're trying desperately to make work, but maybe it's not destined to. <laughs> you know, all yeah. of the like the range. I wanted to, I wanted to show the range. I wanted to feel the range. And um, I think we did that. Yeah. Well, and you you mentioned um, the mother daughter relationship, and I have to admit that I was not expecting to cry. And that there's a scene towards the end that, like, boy, it hit me hard. That good. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. I was you know, like, am I crying at two p.m. like watching I know. this movie? Like Jesus. <laughs> As I was writing it, I I didn't realize that what we made was was so uh, heartfelt and so funny. You know, it didn't it didn't really feel like that as, as I was writing it. It felt like kind of honest. And then like as mm. this innately, this sort of humor and heart comes out and that actor, there's an actor named Melinda Decay and she plays this role that in the scene that you're speaking about. She is this older woman and she has uh, I have written many things over the years and I I have an immersive theater company here in L.A. And oh. she, she a couple years ago, more than a couple years ago, five or six years ago at this point, she um, auditioned for our our theater company. And I just thought she was the most incredible actor. And she was down to do anything. And I wrote into her into this role for um, a show that we were doing. And I told her, I'm going to write you into everything for the rest of my life if I can. Like, I just want to use her as much as I can because I think she's so interesting and she could yeah. do so much in such a little amount of time. I also wanted that to be a little bit of a surprise because we get, we get the same, we see the same characters for a while and then other characters start popping up like yep. towards the end that you're like, there's life happening around us. And it's not just, it's not all gay ghosts as much as I would love it to be. There's other people in this world, <laughs> you know? So I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that scene had an impact and I, and I think she definitely has a big impact. Yeah, she does. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm curious, can you take us back a little bit? Um, how did you get introduced to the horror genre? Well, I little kid growing up in, um, conservative uh north carolina okay ah. i just i sometimes i feel like you're born with the horror gene i i don't think it's a some ways i don't think it's a learned behavior i think it just you're born with it it's not a choice i'm born with it and <laughs> i just my brother and i both growing up always leaned towards the spooky right we always leaned towards the scary and we're just halloween babies not literally but um as children we're february babies um but we <laughs> but we l- loved halloween and i think my our gateway to horror was halloween we love okay. Disney Halloween cartoons. We love Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. And truly, we're going to talk about Goosebumps today, but Goosebumps was a big gateway to horror for me. It is, it, it sort of started it all, really. And it felt like a safe place to start because it was for kids, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So it started, it's kind of started with R.L. Stein, really. And then, and then, and I was such a voracious reader. And then it turned into horror movies. My dad showed me Alien when I was very, very young. And same here. Really? Yes, dad. Yes. 
And yes. Dad's trying to bond with their Dad's trying to bond with their gay sons by showing them alien <laughs> and have, so, and so seeing sweet. you that you like Rip Lily for very different reasons. I it's love amazing. it. Amazing. <laughs> well, the, the the sort of in for Alien that I thought was kind of sweet was in addition to Goosebumps and Halloween and all the spooky stuff. I also really liked uh, comic books, and I mm-hmm. really like. There's a comic book called Spawn, which was about. Oh yeah straight from superhero straight from hell essentially and there are a lot of sort of monsters associated with that character and a lot of the villains were monstrous and i had the action figures and my dad said hey you want to know where those monsters came from it started with this and showed me alien he was like this is the first of those and it scared me real bad (laughs) but this isn't as fun as spawn I know. I was like, <laughs> but what I, but what I sort of, and I still have this feeling, and and this translates to goosebumps as well. Uh, it it evokes such a strong feeling in me that I wanted to harness it. Like I wanted to understand it. I wanted to get in front of it. I wanted to sort of yeah. tackle it. So. I, I feel like I've been chasing that feeling ever since in a way if like yeah. it's the first I, I, it really blew my mind. So along the way, like not a lot scares me. Really, it doesn't. And I'm always looking for that thing that gives me that little special twist. You know, that Goosebumps did that alien did alien in, yeah. a, in a more much more visceral re- way than Goosebumps. But regardless, all of those things, I think sort of uh, tickled my brain in the right way when I was very, very young. And I've been chasing that feeling ever since. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So what have you seen? Have you seen anything recently? Or what was the last thing really that kind of gave you that feeling again? That's a great question. And I wish there were an immediate answer that skyrockets to the top. You know? Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of horror movies that I really love. But my instinct, instead of being scared, is to laugh. In a way that, like, I I enjoy how ridiculous this is. So X and Pearl, like, I'm howling through those movies. Like, tears streaming down my face. Like, howling through those movies because I I get the camp of it all. And when something is really, like, gets it, like, it gets me good, so I laugh. Um, Hereditary walked that line for me of this is just Mm -hmm. brutally shocking and terrifying. And I'm, like, dying laughing for me. Like, let's (laughs) let's go full bonkers. Like, let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's go all the way. Um, I, I, I was tickled by talk to me, which I saw pretty recently. I thought, I thought there were a couple moments and have you, have you seen talk to me? Yeah. yeah. There's gosh, I want to spoil some things, but I, 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 there's a particular moment that I felt was, there's two moments in particular that I felt were very extreme and one involves a foot. And, um, I just was so, I, I was excited that we went there. Like I was excited that we went there. And mm-hmm. so for me, I'm thought I'm like, okay, I'm I'm just scared. I'm not sure I can I, I'm not I'm not convinced I'll be scared again. I'd love to be, but surprised is something I look for. Like okay. surpri- cool. so and th- and that had some surprise moments that I thought um that was worth seeing for sure. You yeah. should watch When Evil Lurks when that comes when, to shutter okay. at the end of the month. Great. Yes. All right. When evil lurks. Did you see Terrified, the Argentinian movie on Shudder? No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, I only ask because everyone like says that everyone's usually like that's the movie that scared them a lot recently because it's like a newer Mm -hmm. movie that's pretty fucking scary. All right. Top of my list now. His new movie's coming out October 27th on Shudder and it's even better, I think, than Terrified. It's like much, it's even more. 
It's less like jump scares and more just like really fucked up for like 90 whole minutes. So. Okay. You want to laugh at like wild yeah. things happening and like putting people in danger that typically aren't in danger in horror movies, let's just say. That's a movie that will get you cackling. I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm like a wa- we're like a walking. We should. This is not sponsored by Shutter, but Shutter, come on, man. We're <laughs> like marketing the shit out of your movies, baby. <laughs> I, I, I love Shutter. I really do. I love it so much. They There's just, just they give me access to so many things I wouldn't have. It's just I know nice. they just they have such a good range of stuff, and the categories get so specific, and sometimes it's exactly what I'm looking for. And then they yeah. have some classics like Halloween, Halloween Four and Five are always on there. Oh my god! There you go. Texas Chainsaw always on there. Texas Chainsaw Man- always on there. Always on there. You know, like it's good. It it's is. One my, it's one of my favorite services, if not my favorite. Mine too, honestly. Give us the money, Shutter. <laughs> Give us the money. I'm, money. I'm pitching you hard right now. <laughs> really hard. I'm pitching you hard right now. <laughs> and they have the new Hell House movie coming up. <laughs> like, I know. The October slate of, of Shutter. I got the email. I'm ready. I know. <laughs> so is there a subgenre? Cur- oh, sorry. That's where I was gonna go. Are we the right same? Ahead. Oh, yay! One brain cell. <laughs> Four years um, we've like merged. <laughs> But I'm curious if there is like a subgenre that you find yourself gravitating towards more as a film, as like a film watcher, not necessarily as a filmmaker. Slashers. Okay. <laughs> okay. For sure. Hell that yeah. Is where, cool. That is where I just find I, I gravitate towards. And maybe it's being a 90s child. I don't know. Like the, I know what you did last summer of it all. Like I just find myself gravitating towards slashers. I love a formula. I love a killer. I love a, lo- a strong look. I just, I love a theme. I'm on board for some slashers. I love, I love ghosts. I let's get possessed. Like let's let's invade some homes. But for <laughs> some reason, if like, if it's a rainy afternoon and I want, this is how crazy I am. If I want to take a nap, let's put on a slasher. Like let's put on an old slasher. Let's feel the vibes. Like that's my that's my comfort zone in a way. Is that what something are you that I slashers then? My favorite slashers are what I consider the classics, which are Scream, Halloween, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Halloween H2O, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th Part 2. Wow. You you were ready. I love that. I love it. The specificity. Halloween H2O. H2O. It's, it's just a, per, it's a perfect 75-minute movie. Like, it's just it so is. great. Oh, it is so fun. good. It's it is fun. such a good movie. And it gets better and every time. Yeah. Yeah. A perfect ending, like it. perfect characters, like perfect setting, right amount of fun, right amount of fear, right amount of t- kills, right amount of laughs. Josh Hartnett, Michelle Williams, Jamie Lee Curtis, all cool, Jay. Like what else? Yeah, what? I, I, don't, I, I don't think I could want anything else. Kevin Williamson, like uncredited, wrote it. Like, come on. Like, what else do we want? Like, it's Nothing. just, it's my favorite. <laughs> it's it's my actual favorite. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, first 10 minutes? Come on. That's right. I always yeah. forget that he's Jimmy in it from until next I start watching it. I need to mask? rewatch this for Halloween. For you need to watch this it tonight. Needs to, yeah, I need to watch yeah. it tonight. I do need to watch it tonight. <laughs> the tagline is this summer's Tara's not taking a vacation because it came out in August. Like, genius. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Bo- boarding school? Yes. Boarding school. Jamie Lee Curtis as a bo- at the boarding school. Josh Hartnett as her son. Like, ah! come, Janet Lee, the psycho car? Like, yeah. it's a joke. <laughs> Like it's, it's, just a per- it's a perfect it's, movie. It's a perfect movie. It's- 
What's so funny is I saw this. I saw that movie opening night in the movie theater, Did and one of my really? friends, yeah, oh she my was so terrified by the at the end that she missed Michael getting beheaded at the end of the movie because she like left the theater left. and she's like having a fucking panic attack, and I'm sitting here just like, this is fantastic. Honestly, <laughs> like, I love that. This is the best experience. And, and you had to explain what happened. She's like, no, there's no way that's how uh-huh. it ended. You're like, yes, she took an axe yeah, and just chopped it off, and we went straight to credits, and then the Creed song, straight to like, credits. That's the it. Cre- it oh, the I could. Creed uh, song. Uh, <sighs> um, well, as moment. much as but we could probably talk about this movie forever, or we should probably talk I about the, the, what you brought with you today, Daniel. <laughs> uh, what's your scarred for life pick? My scarred for life pick is the first episode of the Goosebumps TV series, <laughs> The Haunted Mask. Okay, so Haunted Mask. Okay, and let's. I'm getting like too excited and getting ahead of myself, like an excited yes. puppy. Um, sorry, but here's. A brief synopsis. This is a two-part episode. Carly Beth falls for every pl- prank played on her. So on Halloween, she buys the scariest mask possible at the off-limits room in an old store. However, little does she know that the mask has a mind of its own. Bum, bum, bum. Carly Beth. I know. What a, what a, what a what great a name. name. We'll, get, we'll get to that because... would you like to speak on it mary beth no because you have to go first (laughs) yes so let's let's take it back to the very beginning i know you said that uh you got introduced i'm assuming the books for for goosebumps but can you tell our listeners everything how did you see this why did you see this why is this your scarred for life pick i want to hear your horror story so a kid who loved books couldn't stop reading and I just loved, I love Goosebumps so much I can't even explain it. I, I typed out a letter and asked kids in my neighborhood if they'd like to join my Goosebumps fan club. And I drove around, like rode around on my bike and went in mailboxes and put in these letters that nobody ever responded to. And I said, call call this number and we'll start a Goosebumps fan club. I collected all oh the books. Oh my God, seriously? Seriously, That's I promise. That's amazing. I would have called. I would have called. <sighs> I know. I know. <laughs> There's still time here. I'll give you my number after this, and then you yeah. can call me. <laughs> and it's perfect. Mark, finally, the fan club. But uh, right around the time I got into the books was when the TV show came out. Okay. Perfect time. Perfect storm. Perfect timing. What I liked about the Goosebump book, books so much initially was the first, and I'm, I know quite a lot about Goosebumps, the first... Mm, I'd say 20, 20, 25 books or so are, are not as silly and funny and no. yeah. like goofy as it, as is the reputation now that people think to remember Goosebumps as. But the original books, the especially the first ones, were dark and heavy and scary and had this incredibly yeah. impactful uh, book covers, right, by the, an artist named Tim Jacobus. Like scary, terrifying. Haunted Mask was and Night of Living Dummy were the most popular book covers because of their iconic sort of monster faces, right? Yep. Right as we were getting into it, right as I wanted my fan club to start, that the Goosebumps TV show was announced. This was the first episode. This aired, I believe, on a Sunday night as a, maybe I'd be wrong, might be Friday night as an hour-long primetime special. Mm-hmm. And I was visiting grandma's house in Virginia <gasps> and little tiny me was like, mom, dad, we have to get home to grandma's house to watch 
the haunted mask. It's going to be on at eight. We can't miss it. This it's not like we could tape it. It's not like it was going to be on streaming or anything like that. We had to watch right. it live in the moment. And my brother and I both, I have a twin brother who's also very obsessed with goosebumps and we just raced back home to watch this. What I, what was, what has been so impactful for me about the haunted mask in particular is because it started, it was a primetime special. It felt adult, even though it was geared for kids. It had this feeling of like, I can be an adult too. I can handle the horror. I can harness this feeling. I can tackle this feeling. Just like I mentioned with alien, like this is for me. And it didn't talk down to me as a kid. Right. And there's this moment in the haunted mask where the actor that plays Carly Beth, I believe her name is Catherine. It's either Catherine long or Catherine short because her best friends. So her best friend, (laughs) Sabrina is played by Catherine short. Catherine short. Oh my God. I didn't even realize that until just now. That is so funny. And Catherine spelled the same way. It is crazy. Right? So Catherine long, I think should have gotten an Emmy for this. Like, is acting so for good. the rafters. She's acting her ass off. So, you know, she, Carly Beth is bullied relentlessly because she's, you know, scaredy cat Carly Beth. And Chuck and Steve just bully her relentlessly. Even, even her best friend Sabrina, like, kind of is laughing at her at the pumpkin patch. And we, as an audience, just want Carly Beth to give it to the bullies good. Right? And mm-hmm. I identified with that. <laughs> As Who's Carly saying? Beth, right? Like, I identified as, I wasn't a scaredy cat child, but I did feel other, right? Like, I did feel outside. I did feel bullied, and I was. So, like, we are Carly Beth, right? And there's yep. this moment when she harnesses her sort of spooky power, puts on this mask, and can't take it off. She's at the mask store. She runs back to the mask store and, and is begging to the owner, like, I can't take this off. How do I get it off me? To add an extra layer of scar to this, the shopkeeper looks exactly like my dad. Like, could be no. my dad. That's my dad's oh, face. No. Like, that's my dad. Like, my brother and I watch it. We are, that's my dad. That's just my dad. It's my dad. I can't even wrap my brain around it. And it adds a layer of good scar, right? Like, it adds a layer oh, yeah. of, it, it feels personal. You know, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is my dad. And, like, things are great with my dad. So, it's not, it's not that. But, like. Right. There's this moment of Carly Beth coming to him for help and he turns her around, faces in the mirror, and he says, this face is your face now. And she screams like nothing I'd ever heard in my life up until that point. And it felt so real. It felt so raw. And this actress was giving 100%. And I thought, I just remember my whole body like lighting on fire and just feeling like this is like I'm learning I'm growing. Like I'm like le- I understand existential horror. I understand the symbolism here. Like I get it. I'm locked in and like this is for me and this is scary and I can handle this and the rest of my life will never be the same. Right? And I became yeah. and I still I still am. I joked before we started recording that I have a haunted I'm wearing a haunted mask t-shirt and I have a haunted mask pillow and I say joke, it's not a joke. I have it. But like I <laughs> It, it is something that will never leave me, will never leave my body, will never leave my brain. The, the wild journey that this particular episode takes us on and the fact that it's the first of the series to kick first it off. One. It's like my life began that night. That's how it felt. Like it just wow. like twisted something inside of my brain where I thought like, wow, feelings I've never felt and I can relate to all of it. It's a good scar. You know, I mm-hmm. did, did I have did I have nightmares every night? No. But did I think about it every night? I sure did. And do I still think about it? Do I still want to talk about it all the time? Yeah, I do. So it has just informed so much of like what interests me creatively and even like, let's get crazy, but like spiritually ever since it's just like this figure of this 
meek and mild girl, like getting her power and it's this haunted mask. Yeah. And we can get into like details of the plot, but how she removes the mask is it's up to her to find a symbol of love, which is vague enough for her, like for it to work. But the extra layer of creep on top of this, the extra layer of weird on top of this is her mom. It makes paper mache art and made a paper mache sculpture of her daughter's head. And Carly Beth, like when she puts on that haunted mask and she says it's time for Halloween, not only does she run around trick-or-treating with the mask on, she steals the paper mache head of herself. She puts uh-huh. it on a stick with a red scarf to represent blood and runs around screaming at people and screams at people and says, this is me. This is who I used to be. I mean, gay icon. Like, yeah. this is- I was obsessed. I forgot that she did that with like the red scarf. And I was like, this bitch is incredible. I love her. This bitch like, is no wonder I love her. <laughs> like, She's work. so angry and she is finally getting to like release her rage and get to like be a, like a little monster. Like she always... Yes. This is why I loved it. That is why I loved her so fucking much. Like, oh my God. So did you read the book before you saw the episode? I did. did. Yes. I read the book before I saw the episode. Okay. So you kind of knew what to expect, but also seeing it is so different, I think, than as a kid, like reading it. Yeah. And it also was the first time I saw something that I had read first, right? Like it was the first time I saw like a book turn into a movie, into a TV show. It's something, it was my first time as a child to say like, I read this, I consume this, I have my own idea of what it could look like. And then like, here's what the full artistic vision of it can look like. Here's like the, what the big product can look like. And it felt so much darker and more tangible and like the wet grossness of the mask. Like it was yes. nastier. It was way nastier than I thought it was going to be. And also the other masks that she has to choose from, terrifying what the fuck was that Step i know Jesus. That's, some, that, that's some hellraiser stuff right there it is i literally shit. took a note that this that's is Cenobites. like it, it's absolutely hellraiser i'm pretty sure some of those masks came from a hellraiser set right it had it's, it's a challenging it, it's a challenging watch for a young person right it is because it's scary she's looking in the mirror and she can't take the mask off there's even like wonderful camera tricks in the episode <sighs> Like, I just can't talk about how wonderful this this piece of media is. Like, it's just, I just can't think of anything better, honestly, besides Halloween H2O. Well, like, it's just, it just left such a huge impact. In the, and, and the sort of blessing and curse of that is the rest of the Goosebumps episodes. Like, some of them hit that peak. Like, some of yeah. them do. But, but, but it's a little bit all downhill after there, you know? Like, it yeah. even Are You Afraid of the Dark, I was like, good luck. You got to compete right. with that. Mm-hmm. Like, good luck. Yeah. There was a lot of things I wanted to touch on. So, first of all, you're right. The first, like, 20 or so of those Goosebumps books are, like, the, what I what they're I, what I fell in love with. They're they're really fucked up. And they don't talk yeah. down to kids. And they're they not don't. goofy. They're, they're deadly serious. People are in danger. Like, it it has, like, a, a sense of, um, of intelligence and emotional intelligence for kids that um, I, I don't think I was expecting when I first – when I was first – I guess read to because um I I said I've talked about this a little bit on a previous episode where we did cover another Goosebumps TV episode, but my first memory of of finding out about Goosebumps was my fifth grade teacher Mrs. Michael Sheck would have reading time and one time for like around Halloween ish she brought out Welcome to the Dead House which had just been like released earlier that year, and so she throughout the classes would sit down and read this book to us and I was 
enraptured and it was such a hit for the class that she just it just became goosebumps time like every time yes. in class she would sit down and be oh, reading the next goosebumps yes. book because they were he was a very prolific author so like there was a lot oh coming gosh, out yeah, in those early new days one every month pretty much yeah and and so like that was my introduction to goosebumps and it was my introduction that there were books that were horror that were written for kids because up until that point my books that i had read were like adult horror books but this was yes. One of those cases where it was a book written for kids, but it did not talk down to kids. And I think that is what was so successful about um, R.L. Stein stuff. And I think that's why we're still talking about him to this day. Why there's a new Goosebumps show hidden. I can't around remember. around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. October some, 13th. Some streaming service. Yeah. A whole new series of it. It is still uh, impactful because it does not talk down to kids. And so yeah. I love that that, that is that is sort of like your your entry point to it because he just he was a good writer for kids. Yeah, it's like it's just enough where it's not a, it's not a hard read, but it it also felt relatable. And especially mm-hmm. you, you mentioned Welcome to Dead House, like there's some dark there's some dark heavy stuff that like kids are dealing with. And and I read an article a while back that was during 2021. And um, I forget which website it was before, but somebody went through all the Goosebumps, the first, I think they made it through the first 40 and talked about, broke down each book. And then there was a line at the end of what is the real world fear that this is tackling, right? And mm. there's, you know, like, and Welcome to Dead House is like, it, there's a lot of things there, but it's like moving, like um, moving away from your friends, moving to a new house and making new friends. Scary, you know? Like, that's scary. Yeah. They just happen to be undead. But, like, you know, in general, like, that's scary. And, like, stay out of the basement is, like, a scary dad who's, like, works too much. And, you know, you don't have a great relationship with. And there's all of these things that are actually underneath the surface, you know. And the Haunted Mass is such a great one of, like, dealing with, you know. We, we, I know R.L. Stein didn't intend a lot of this. But, you know, dealing with, like, what do you do when you don't love yourself and other people are you know, it feels like other people were telling you that you shouldn't either and how to sort of handle that and how to, you know, speak to your bully people that you feel like are bullying mm-hmm. you and how, how, what are the right or wrong ways to do that? And where do you find like unconditional love, like for yourself, like through your family or, or just from yourself? Like, what is that? You know, and there are those things that come across, like that, that sort of pop up throughout the Goosebumps series. There was, the Fear Street series that came out as well. And mm-hmm. there were the Fear Street films that came out a couple of years ago through Netflix. And they didn't pull any of the content. Almost none of the content came from the Fear Street books themselves. And th- and they were wonderful. They were fantastic. Yeah. But yeah. R.L. Stein, they said, you know, the, the there was an interview where they said with their Fear Street books, you know, they the Fear Street films, it tackles a lot of stuff like systemic racism. <laughs> and like, oh, that's not funny, but like, all, but like who, who thought a Fear Street movie would like talk about that in a way. Right, exactly. And so they said, they said, did you have any, like, what were you thinking of when you thought, like, what was the message you were trying to convey to teens when you were writing Fear Street books? And his answer was, run. <laughs> truly is this man was writing books for so long and was just thinking of creative ways to kill people you know what i mean yeah. like he truly got to a point where he was he it was it is funny just like run <laughs> like don't run, go yeah, out but, at night but i know he was like i don't know don't get killed like i didn't think about it but with the goosebumps books in particular he started with the title so he would always just come up with the title first and then figure out the story later and i love uh, that yeah. he's like inspired by like words right so he's inspired by and like there's nothing more sort of like classic and like uh, relatable than like the haunted mask on Halloween night, you know, like yep. it just, 
it's just like such a classic vibe and it just is perfect. It, it's just, you know, it's like a perfect thing. It's like a great morality tale. It's like, yeah. Tales from the cryptish. You know what I mean? A little bit for like, so it's, it's funny that you say that because as I was watching, as I sit down to watch this, which it's probably, I Netflix says I've watched this before. Cause I, I saw it on Netflix and I don't remember why I watched it recently or when I watched it, but I, I watched these two out of, out of the episodes that they have. But yeah. um, I was, when I was sitting down to watch it uh, today, I was like, this reminds me of kids version of like EC comics or like, yeah. you know, the sort of like tales from the crypt where it is a morality tale and there's a gotcha moment at the very end. And it just, it, it felt very much in that line. And, the, and that's why I started thinking again about how, what I think is so great about the goosebumps is that they're not talking down. So this feels like tales from the crypt for kids. Absolutely. It does. What this episode also has is something that only the hour long or two part episodes have also, there were a couple of primetime Goosebumps specials. This was obviously the first, but it has an Arlstein wraparound, right? So Arlstein yeah. introduces the story, and there's like a funny button at the end that feels very Crypt Peeper, and he's so dead. And what's really what's really exciting about that is for me, as you know, as for us, the the the, the young viewers, I had read Arlstein, but I didn't know what he like really looked or sounded like. Yeah. Yep, so same. to see him and have him speaking to me, I was like, oh well, he's just talking directly to me, right? And then to have like this stupid twist at the end and have like his the the result of the his like his parents watched it i guess his with him parents. and he said it wasn't too scary was it and the camera pans over to the, the parents and they are like it looks like they've literally stuck their finger in an electric socket and they have white makeup on their face and they look so scared and he just gives a deadpan joke and we're on our way like it's it just touches all the things that appeal to me you know yeah. like these these like silly jokes but it does feel even more adult because he's like hey i'm just talking to you kids and i'm gonna yeah, sh- show you a scary exactly. story but like we know it's a story because i'm introducing it right like so i'm making it safe for you but at the same time it's yes. gonna be scary and like let's have you laugh at the end but even the very last moment which is that twist of like the twist is spoiler alert for everyone out there carly beth's brother puts on the mask and it's like oh no it's going to be stuck on his face forever but him wearing that mask is so scary like the image of this little boy wearing this nasty demonic mask is just so scary (laughs) there was just there's moments in this too where it's like her in like a little girl outfit and the mask that's both terrifying and so fucking funny of just like she's like what do you mean i'm in this forever and she's like it's like her little girl voice in the mask and it's like it made me giggle because it is like such a funny image of like a little girl in little girl out like just like a young little girl clothes like wearing this just being like Big Help! monster face. And, and it's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. And the mask really is fucking scary. It's iconic. Like, like when it you is. see it, you're like, no, that's scary. That's a scary mask. That's not like a it's disgusting. scary because they're saying it's scary. No, like they did a really good job taking the cover that, that is like, the cover looks almost like a version of Jim Carrey's The Mask, but with fangs. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 like a friend. It's like a cartoony green. Yeah. Like, and has it's, bright orange eyes, and it's scary, but it looks a little like it looks kind of like a, a mask. And yeah, then, it mm-hmm. looks like a mask. And this one, it looks like one that you just put on top of your face, but th- this one is like a full over full your head, head like mask. hood situation. And it is so much more claustrophobic. And it is. You feel it too. You feel like you, when she's like, there's no line to the mask, you're like, I start like touching my neck. All right. So let me. Let me talk about how this movie fucked me up now that we're talking about this. Because 
I had, okay, so I got into the, I was trying to remember, like, the chronology of everything because I don't remember it, but I just know that I loved Goosebumps because my mom and my dad got divorced when I was little. I lived with my grandparents and my aunt, who was, my aunt had just moved out for college and all of her old books were there. So on a, in her room, I would read her old Goosebumps books because she had all of the originals ones. So I would wow. read, I would look at the covers, I would read them. I think we got rid of them, which is like very sad. But like we had all these books. And so I would read, I, I love to read. I was like an early reader and um, because I was a sad only child of divorce. So I read, you know how that goes. And so this one in particular had stuck with me and it was both the cover and the book and the show. And I can't remember how or when, how old I was. I know I was young and I got it from the library because they had, I, I would, I would watch Goosebumps because I would get rent like the VHS tapes from Ooh, the library. Love it. And it got to a point where I would have a reoccurring nightmare of the mask on my face, but I, it was <sighs> first person. So I thought I was wearing the mask and it was like, I couldn't breathe and I couldn't get it off of me. Oof. So for, years i would have a dream that i was tr- i was hurting my family wearing the mask and i couldn't get it off <laughs> and, oh I, my and i was God. seeing it through the eye holes of the mask and i couldn't yes. breathe so wow this, let's dig deep I, yeah like and look carly beth i don't hear very much mary beth stuff so i immediately like watching this i was taken back because i was carly beth i was scared i i loved horror but i was really easily scared i'm still really easily mm-hmm. scared at like haunts and shit like i am a yeah. haunt worker's wet dream because i will scream immediately i don't know why it. it's fine i'm just a nervous person so i identified so hard with her because i was such a nervous person and people thought my family loved to pick on me for that and so i felt it in my bones about the like mm. everyone not like seeing you as an easy target and then um at one point there they had the pumpkin that laughs the <laughs> yes yes we had that fucking pumpkin and i didn't know under i thought for some reason having that same exact pumpkin and that and then seeing it i was like this is real like for some it feels reason very real those that that pump like i just never for some reason in my head i never thought that i could own something in, that would be a prop in a movie i why i don't know but it was the same fucking pumpkin, and the laugh already freaked me out as a kid, and then it was in the haunted mask, and then she eats the worm sandwich, and I got terrified yeah. of there being worms in my sandwiches for a very long time, and let oh, me no. just tell you, this movie, this, this not movie, but show, like, really did a number on my psyche in several different ways, and I don't understand it, but it's such, like, a formative thing. Similar to you, Daniel, though, where it, like, it feels like this is one of these, like, sources of where all my horror shit comes from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it freaked me out and it stuck with me and it was so fascinating to me. And I loved that. Yes. And it scared me, but it didn't scare me away. And yeah. it's just like... It scared me toward. Whenever, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so whenever I see it, I like get this, like, oh, fuck reaction of just remembering all that. But then also just, like the power of horror for kids and you can make horror like this for kids and have it still be incredibly effective, even though it's not like adult. And like we were saying, I just think Arl Stein with these early books really hit that line so well. And I oh, love yeah. that about them. And I think like, you know, he deserves so, so much credit for such a, like a generation of us horror fans, like absolutely jumping head, like feet first into everything. And so, yeah, this, uh, this here book really fucked me up. Like it, and 
I never like masks freaked me out for a long time, like yeah. over my face and stuff. And I was like, I think one of the scariest parts was when at the end and he's like, your mask is, what do you mean? Why is that mask still on your face? And I was like, oh my God. And then he's like, just joking. And I was like, I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> I was so mad. What's so wonderfully effective about that moment is we as the audience see that Carly Beth is not wearing the mask, right? And her younger brother mm-hmm. comes up and it's like, why are you still wearing the mask? But we as the audience are so in it still that we're like, oh, no. Oh, no, is she? Like, and they even like hew it up with the score. And then she like looks in the mirror and we're like, but we can, we don't need her to look in the mirror because we can see that she's not wearing the mask. But we are so invested and we are so traumatized about what could happen with the mask. And we're like, maybe there'll be some twist, you know? There is also that weird element of, explain this, the weird element of the uh, paper mache head that lives on the mantle of the house that just smiles by itself, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Who knows? You know what? Like, it doesn't Our make any masks sense. Masks are cursed in this entire universe, I guess. And like, says, please, it says, help me later. Like, it asks yes. for the help. Like, there's a lot. That, like, there's a lot of stuff the in there. Mo- you know what? I bet you the mom and that guy are connected and they fought monsters or demons or whatever. And <laughs> go on. Where's that prequel? I, I know. Where's the haunted mask prequel? The shopkeeper is actually Carly Best's dad. Her dad isn't in Chicago on a business trip. It's all a lie. <laughs> like, it's the dad. She's the, that's, that's her dad. But I also, can we that. talk about the shopkeeper for a second? Like, yes, the, please. The explanation for these masks is because he hate, like didn't like either himself or like his literal face and was making masks to cover him. But because he was so rotten on the inside, it it like caused the masks to deform and then like just became actual masks. It doesn't make any sense. And I absolutely love it. And there's a moment where he says, he reveals that he is wearing a mask, even though it's my dad's face that he's wearing. And he (laughs) said, and, and he says, Oh, I don't dare show you what's underneath like this mask. Cause you think you don't like yourself. You shouldn't see what my face is like underneath this mask. That's that. That's really gonna fuck you up as a kid. You know, you're like, can I trust anybody? Like, this guy's wearing... And he has, like, weird bumps on the side of his face. He's like, because it's turning rotten because of what's inside of me. And it's just, like, layers in this. There are layers of terror in this. You know, you're like, I can't trust the man that runs the shop because his he's actually has, like... His face is a mask. He killed these people. Like, like, what did he do to these Like, what? Like, what... Like, what is it? There's so many questions that I know Arl Stein had no answers to. And that also fills me with a lot of joy. I love, you know? I, I love that he is like kind of like an old white guy who's like, I don't know. It sounded scary. And we're like, what's the deeper One, meaning about finding your confidence as a young girl? And he's like, what? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, who are you? And again, good for him. But again, good for like. Him. We talked about the bullying thing. Like when she has and has the mask on and is has and is like going around and like throwing things around and going like, "Oh, sorry, I scared your kid." Like something about that to me was so exciting too because I loved we it. Talked about you could be a gremlin, and mm. I was never like thought I could was allowed to be a little gremlin. And my friends always fucked with me because again, I was like the nervous, anxious, squirrely one, and so. It's like I want to fuck with my friends. You got you got to you get to live vicariously through Carly Beth, right? I know. Like exactly. Just, she almost mm-hmm. had my name. Almost. Like you, you get to see her rage and also like it's Halloween. So like she also has the excuse, right? She can also mm-hmm. say yeah. like it's Halloween, I could be whoever I want tonight. Like it's <sighs> it also it. there's the power of Halloween there, right? It's like it, it's giving you the permission to be yourself that night, fully yourself or to be somebody completely different if you want. 
And like, obviously it takes it to an extreme, but we love to watch that. We love to see it. She was almost a duck. I love that her mom got her the duck costume and she she was like, okay. And she was like kind of into it. As a kid. I know. I was like, oh, you wanted to be a duck? Because I was a fish. I was a fish when I was a kid. I had the... I had the cutest little fish outfit and I was a fish many years. And in kindergarten, my bully made fun of me and she was a black cat and said, I'm going to eat you because you're a fish. <laughs> I was like, and for some reason to me as a kindergartner, that was the meanest thing you could have said to me. Now I'm like, I think it is. And I was so mad, but it was like the pick. When I say fish, I mean like I had this like hood and it was a huge googly eyes and like I was a fucking fish and I it loved that gorgeous. Shit. It was so cute. But, but Mary Beth. <laughs> Sabrina is dressed as a cat in this. Oh my god, she is, she is a cat. Oh <laughs> Sabrina, Sabrina's not the best friend, really. She you really know? isn't. Oh my god, she's just like, well, you are kind of a scaredy cat. Fuck you, Sabrina. Have a backbone. Come on now. I don't think Sabrina has anything going on inside her brain. I don't think she's had a single th- thought. She's just there. <laughs> the so, same name. As Catherine Long. Yeah. Is, is, is it I, Catherine Long and Catherine Short? Can you believe yes, that? Yes, that's that, so fucking it's just, funny. That is so wild to me to find out. But, okay, so I I remember buying this book after my teacher had read it to me. Because I this was this one and Welcome to the Dead House were like my mm-hmm. favorites. Yeah, as it, when good. I When I had first read them or had them read to me. And I remember buying this one and I re- would I would read it a lot. Like this was this was my catnip. And so even though I was like... It came out in 95, the TV show, right? Yeah. So I would I would have been 14 when it came out. And I was sort of getting out of the age of like reading the kids books and, and watching kiddie stuff. But like, yeah. I do remember sitting down when this aired and watching this, this show as well, because it was like such a nostalgic for me, even though it only been like a few years, but it was something like, yeah. I, this is this is what I would read as a kid. And yeah. now I'm a teenager. And I'm, you know, so like, I, I, I do remember sitting down and watching this and really being enamored with it, even though I was at that age where it's like, oh, kid stuff, right? But there's just something about it. It just it just works. And I did want to go back to something you said, Daniel, about like the the kind of mythology. I love that there is a mythology here that we only get bits and pieces of. Like the very beginning when when um when Carly is first walking through the store and the storekeep is on the phone talking with someone, he's like, did saying you wire the money to stuff. Paraguay? Like, he's just saying all this random stuff. Like, what is he doing? He's like screaming about, he's like, I don't care about customers. And he's like, I need yeah. this chemical shipped in. Cause he doesn't, he like just has to keep like, he needs something for his new faces. Like, it's just weird. It's yeah, dark. once you realize that later, just the idea that like, no, he is running out of time and he, and he knows this face is going to, fall off of him or something you don't really know but you know something bad is going to happen with it he's going to need a new one and so like that in alone is like that there's little hints about something bigger here that i just i love and you're you're right he rarlstein probably has no idea what the the behind this the story was like he probably doesn't have an elaborate backstory for everything but there's enough here that is as as a viewer i'm just like Okay, but what, what is the story behind it? Yes. I need to know more. It feels, it feels it, even though it's not, it feels fleshed out and feels like there's a whole yeah. world going on, right? Did y'all did y'all watch Haunted Mask two or read Haunted Mask two? I read it. I yes, don't remember anything I read about it. it. It's it's it also was a prime time hour long yeah. two part special with a with a wraparound from R.L. Stein and and the same actors are in it. I was going to ask was in it, was Karina's in yeah. it. Um, Chuck and Steve are in it, except they replace uh, Steve. 
Um, they recast Steve and it's not as, it's not as good. It's not as fun, but it does expand on the mythology a little bit. The shopkeeper is also in it and okay. there's a, there's a different mask. And of course, um, Steve gets the mask uh, and the mask is not as scary. And it's just like an old man mask that's and, he, right. and okay. he becomes old. Yes. Like, okay. I remember the, the, I was, I was, I've read it, but I wasn't as excited about it because it wasn't as, yeah. it didn't scare me as it, much. It just, and there's, there, yeah. there's, the book is better than the TV episode. Yeah. And the book has this wild sort of ending where the mask just wants to be b- reunited with its, it also was part of a suit, like an old man suit. And when you re- reunite the suit with the mask, the suit comes to life and does like a little spidery dance and like spins away with the mask. Which That's I wild. want, which I wanted to see, but I the episode's lo- not I like that. I fucking love goosebumps because and like lit like that because you do have a little bit more freedom to be that a little bit more whimsical than I think in yes. adult horror, and you can be a yes. little bit more fun and you can be a little bit sillier, and I love that. And I think so often, like kid horror, it gets dismissed, but it's like actually a lot of people make some really fun stuff and like get to have a lot of fun. And can do some really weird stuff that they wouldn't get to do for adults. So yeah, make some wild yeah. swings that also don't have to make it. We don't need a ton of backstory or for it to make a lot of sense. Like yeah. it can just be like sort of like the, the solve can be like some sort of magic or like some spell or some magic words. Like there doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Like there doesn't have to be some tragic backstory from the 60s I, about, you know, like it's just like. I don't know. It's like there doesn't have to be any of that. It's just it's like, just no, like, this, these are like the rules. Good, it's like a good, scary story. It's not complicated. It's not trying to be overcomplicated. It's just trying to be like a good, spooky story that'll scare kids. There isn't yeah. elaborate. There is no need for like elaborate stories, just good characters and a scary mask. Yeah. It's like fa- it's foundational storytelling for, you know, for kids. And it's fun. Like, yeah, it's like, fun. They were, they're so fun and so easy to read. And that translated in the TV show. Like, the TV show is so yeah. fun and easy to watch. You know, it's like short, sweet episodes. And I love that they have these sort of tent poles along the way that are like Haunted Mask, yeah. like Night of the Living Dummy 3, that are like Werewolf Fever Swamp, that are like darker and bigger and can like yeah. handle it. I have a werewolf one. Yeah, I was just watching that one earlier. So it's just like. It's when it gets, I'm, I'm a crazy person, but when it gets over 90 degrees here in LA, I put on Werewolf of Fever Swamp because it feels hot and sweaty and makes the heat a little more bearable. <laughs> I love oh my that. God. I love that. So yeah. I, looked, you know, I looked at my phone today. I was like, oh, it's 94 degrees. We're putting on Werewolf of Fever Swamp. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's amazing. That's so what good. I, what I do love watching this on, on Netflix, and I'm guessing on when it, when it was re-aired, is the fact that this was an hour, you know, an hour long episode. It was 40 minutes or whatever, but like it was an hour of TV and they cut it at the most ridiculous spot where like, it's supposed to be a cliffhanger, but it's literally in the middle of her saying, shut up, shut up, shut up, yelling at Sabrina. And, like, and then choking it just, Sabrina. And then it just immediately it just cuts. cut to credits. And then we come, we come back and she like stops choking. It's like, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But it's such a like abrupt moment that like it just is. goes to credits. There's no lingering on it. There's no it's just all of a sudden, yep, she's strangling her and we're out. It's twenty-two minutes. We're done. Bye. <laughs> you know, I know sometimes when when making TV series like that or movies like that, obviously sometimes the filmmakers don't get the choice of where the commercial breaks are going. Yeah. Sometimes they're built in and then sometimes they just like 
the network. It's like, it's going to be here, you know, just got to make it work, you know? And it definitely feels like that for that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Watching this as an adult, what I love is that this is kind of like baby's first body horror because we yes. have that moment. We, we talked a little bit about how Catherine Long is, should have gotten an Emmy for this, but there is this moment. I really think so. I, I do too. Cause there's this moment where she is looking at herself in the mirror and she's like, those eyes in the mirror, they're not my eyes. Those aren't my eyes. Where are my where eyes? Are my eyes? <laughs> what the fuck? I'm just like, like why are you that adult too. Like you said, Jerry. I was like, I was getting anxious as I was sitting there watching. It. I was like, how, how horrifying would that be to look in the mirror and be like, wait, those eyes don't belong to me like that. Yes existential body horror like a whole lot going in here even without like just the, the fact that she can't get the mask off the fact that it is changing her from the inside potentially is horrifying yes and she de like C Catherine delivers like it's, be she it's because of that performance that you were like wait is that her eye color like is that her eyes like are is she changing yep like, and the way that 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 scene is shot is f straight on POV of her in the mirror. And we follow her head turn to the camera to look directly at Sabrina and then back to the mirror. Now, how did they do? I, I've watched it so many times. I'm like, how did they do that? It's, like you're looking I, directly into a mirror and then you turn and then go back to the mirror and leave. I'm like, this is genius filmmaking <laughs> in my brain. Yeah. I'm like, how? like it, it feels so, it feels so you feel like you're right there and you kind mm -hmm. of overlook the fact that this is like, there's also the moment she puts on the mask, I think, for the second time, and it like gets sucked into her skin and face. Yes. Like you like, see yes. It. Oh. yes. How did they do that? I know. Like, I'd also like to point out that Catherine is making that, is just made that voice out of a choice and they kept it. Like they didn't alter her voice when, oh, she, when she puts that, that gruff oh. sort of voice on. That's her voice. Like she chose to make like put on a weird voice like and they're like I'll she's like I'll try it because I know a lot about the making of, making of this and she just like they just kept it like it's not her voice augmented it's her just like making a bold choice as an actor and they're like we're gonna go with this like keep it like isn't that genius See, I you know the thing like I I heard like an idiom one or like a statement once where like. If the kid actor is good in a horror movie, then you know the horror movie is going to be good because a lot of times kid actors are not the greatest. But the fact that she made that decision, because I was watching this and I, I literally went to IMDb like, okay, who's who's doing the voice of the of the, the yes. demon, the monster? And I was like, is this is there someone else in there? Because it's very subtle the way it, she sort of like flits bit back and forth between her regular voice and then the creature voice kind of creeping through and it gets more and more pronounced as the episodes go on. And I'm just like, this is a very smart thing. And so to hear that it was a, a character choice is just like, what a brilliant actress. And the fact what that she's now um, a dance instructor, like out of acting yes. and is a dance instructor. That's why on the convention circuit, like have her tour. Yeah, seriously. Give, give us your autograph. I'll pay, I'll pay money. Um, she also <laughs> was in a, an episode of, are you afraid of the dark as well? Oh, was she um, really? After this, where she's like a little older, but um, God, I think she's so good. And I think she that's really what is. I like really connected with, you know, and like it, me being such like a, a Goosebumps expert and apologist just like all over it. I was like, when she showed up, I'm like, that's not the character description. She's supposed to have brown hair and like be really, <laughs> really like, you know, like, and I'm like, that's dark blonde. That's not right. And being sold as a little kid to be like, no, this is, this is Carly Beth. Like, this is the girl, like, this is the yeah. actor that, 
like they they get so lucky and they they in Goosebumps the the TV series they reuse a lot of the same actors they use Sabrina yeah. as well because I you know I don't think it's it's probably not easy to find kids that can carry an hour or 30 minutes convincingly so like hold on for dear I mean Ryan Gos- Ryan Gosling is, is in there first say cheese and die like Hayden Christensen nightmare M Night Night of Living Dummy three like wait, although he's terrible in really? that but I didn't realize um, he was in that in in one of them that's wild what a but. You what know, a breeding there's, ground there's, for actors, right? Yeah, I could clearly, I could clearly talk about it all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, so oh, yeah. I do have a question because you, you, you do know a lot about the making of this. I had seen online that there was an original ending that they had to cut. Is that true, or is that like internet gossip? Do you know? Have you I seen anything about that? I haven't seen anything about that, so I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Um, no, nah, I wish I did, but I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, there's just like, I I was doing some research today and I came across a bunch of like random things on the internet saying that there's like, and one of them that I did find said that she screams when she sees the kid's face and that's like where it ends. And so they thought it was a little bit too traumatizing, but I really Mm. can't find anything anywhere to like corroborate it. It's just something that people on the internet have been talking about. And so I was like, I wonder if they did. I wonder, I mean, I would, I would love to see the deleted scenes, but, um, uh, as far as I know, I think I, I, th- I that makes sense to me, like them cutting a scream at the end because it seemed too much instead of having him sort of like giggle and sort of just yeah. sort of fade out. You know, I think it I think it ended the way it probably should have. Yeah, that would have been, <laughs> been horrifying. But I love the idea of Goosebumps deleted scenes that are like too hot for TV. <laughs> too hot for TV. Yeah, I know. Goosebumps <laughs> after dark. <laughs> oh, my God. Like too, like so scary. Do we want to wrap up and give us a rating out of five? That sounds Yeah, good. we do. Fuck yeah. All right, Terry, you're up first. How many worm sandwiches out of five do you give? Also, wait, one second. Worm sandwich isn't a fucking prank. That's rude as shit. Putting a goddamn live animal in someone's food. That's not a prank. That's just being a piece of That's shit. Mean. Anyway. <laughs> mean. And according to Arl Stein's autobiography, she, the actress told them that, she, that to put a real worm in there because she, had, she they were originally planning to put like a, a fake worm in it. I and love she had to be method. shot 12 times. <laughs> like she's like no that's i'm a ready of, for it i'll do it that's a lot of worm sandwiches that's a lot of worm sandwiches so you so you, terry you give it 12 worm sandwiches got it great we got y- that yep, you know no here's the thing like it's really hard to rate rate this because it is it is a kid series it is a little hokey in spots but it is incredibly effective and i just think about how the lingering presence that this book the book and also the show has had and i just i i if I want to have programming for kids that is horror, because I feel like that is something that is missing, we're start, maybe getting some new of it, like creeping up with animation that's, that's coming out. But like, I feel as if a lot of kids shows today are are neutered when it comes to the the horror aspect of it. They're just we we can't scare kids. We have to we have to you know be safer. And this is the kind of stuff that if I had a kid. And I wanted to get them into horror. This is the kind of stuff I would want them. So for me, I have to give it five worm sandwiches just because of its importance and the fact that it does not talk down to kids. And it is it's entertaining. I had a good time watching it as an adult, even though it is a little hokey, but I enjoyed it. So what about you, Mary Beth? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it had a massive impact on my subconscious (laughs) in more ways than one. So I don't think I'm allowed to give it any less than five worm sandwiches. I'll let you know what happens when I go to bed tonight and I have that fucking dream again. (laughs) It's gonna come back. That fucking dream is gonna come back. But I mean, 
yeah, we could you could poke holes in this all you fucking want, but that's not fun, and that is defeats the spirit of the haunted mask and of the Goosebumps show. It is just it shaped so much of us, obviously all of us, and it's just such an important, good, smart piece of scary kids horror media. And I'm so glad that we've had that growing up and had access to things like that. Um, and that's why we're all such weird, spooky fuckers today. That's right. Um, <laughs> and true. Daniel, you have the final word. I think I know, but uh, how many worm sandwiches <laughs> out of five do you give the whole Listen, mask? listen, I, I'm... Uh, I'm going to give it six worm sandwiches out of five. Like it is just it, it, uh, overachiever here. It is yes. truly, truly foundational to everything I'm even I'm interested in as a child <laughs> and as an adult. Like it just it just paved the way for a lot of different things. I think it's just top tier in terms of acting, in terms of sort of props and character like and creature design mm. it's the right amount of cheese it's the right amount of scare it's the right amount of silly it's just um it's everything that's good about the 90s and everything that's good about kid ho- kid horror yeah and it has created something that you know this this next goosebumps tv series and the goosebumps any any horror media t- t- for children has to live up to. And in some ways, even adult media has to live up to in my brain of something that can hit all of the spots for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it may never do that. And if that's fi- if that's the truth, then how great that like how great, how great that we have it. I will just continue to wear my haunted mask shirt, my sleep with my haunted mask pillow. <laughs> And paint my Hell room yeah. um, Jacqueline and orange because Carly Beth did. And that's the literal truth. <laughs> my room is painted orange because Carly Beth's walls were orange. So no, uh, really? Is that is that mental illness? It may be. But I love I'm it. I'm on board. I, whatever mental illness it is, I like it. <laughs> that's fun <laughs> mental illness. <laughs> so I give it um, I give it max worm sandwiches. I'm gonna go have a worm sandwich for dinner just now. Just Yum. I was I'm just so gonna excited. say. Protein. We need to get Catherine Long on the phone because we have 16 worm sandwiches for her. Like she can do that yes. in 16 takes, right? I'm sure she can. She's she's too busy teaching dance, I'm sure. But if she wants to take a break, she has big fans out here. <laughs> she big really does. Fans. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us and talking about this episode of Goosebumps. Um, where can our listeners find you online and what do you have that you can plug and talk about? Yeah, so you can find me. Uh, my easiest way to find me is literally Instagram. I'm Daniel X in, and Daniel X Montgomery on Instagram or just Daniel Montgomery on Twitter or X or whatever's happening over there. Um, <laughs> don't not even worry about it. Just say hey to me on Instagram. Um, I have a Goosebumps podcast, y'all. <laughs> With my twin do you brother. Really? Yes. I do. Everything. It's called Welcome to Deadcast. And my brother and I go through every book and every TV episode. And we've done through the first 62. We are, are, are through the first almost 10 of uh, Give Yourself Goosebumps. And we are reviewing the current. We've reviewed the movies and we're going to re- be reviewing the new TV series. So if, you lo- if you're not uh, absolutely annoyed with me talking about Goosebumps at this point, um, too bad. And um, give that a listen. And and you can say hey to both of like both my brother and I there. That's an easy way to get in touch. But um, you can also actually see my whole body and blue hair um, if you rent or download the Jessica Cabin. It's available anywhere you can get movies. It's available on Apple TV, on Amazon, at Walmart.com, at BestBuy.com, just anywhere. YouTube. Um, give it a give it a give it a watch. I think you'll really enjoy it. And I will say on the last little note. 
that at a Q&A after a film festival, the um, somebody commented that they felt the, that the music sounded like, the music in the Jessica Cab- Cabin sounded like adult goosebumps. And I thought, Mo, my work here is done. Drop. That's wow. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I, I was like, highest praise I could, I could ever hear from You're me like, personally. Well, I, I shared I've it with peaked. our- I've peaked now, it really, everybody. It really was our, our, <laughs> our composer, Max Waller, who is absolutely in, in, incredible. But the fact that we I got to have a hand in creating something that somebody would call adult goosebumps. Honey, I uh, my work is done. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's well, fantastic. You've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What was your experience with the haunted mask? Did it haunt your dreams like it did mine? Uh, let us know um, by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us directly on the social media. Um, I am at MB McAndrews on Twitter and Blue Sky. And I'm at MB.McAndrews on Instagram. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful anywhere there is a social media for as long as there's going to be one. And then, of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on all of the social medias. On Twitter and Blue Sky, we are at Scarred Podcasts. And on Instagram, we are at Scarred for Life Podcasts. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, we do have a Patreon. Ooh! Thank you, Derek Power, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. <laughs>